Please be seated. When was the last time we talked about the book of Esther? It's not a very long book. It's only 10 chapters. But it reads like the script of an action movie with murder plots and spies and beauty contests and violent irony. It's tantalizing. But Esther gets left out of a lot of our regular biblical rotations. This morning, for example, the small handful of verses we heard just a few minutes ago are the only portion of Esther we read in the entire three-year lectionary cycle. Now, because many of you have not read Esther in a long time, or ever, I'll offer a brief synopsis of this brief book. Esther, a Jewish orphan raised by her uncle Mordecai, becomes a queen when she wins a beauty contest and wins the heart of the king. Mordecai as well wins favor with the king by uncovering an assassination plot. Later, Uncle Mordecai refuses to bow in homage to the king's official, Haman, a prideful and vindictive so-and-so. So Haman decides that Mordecai and all the Jews in the kingdom need to be killed. Oddly enough, the king agrees to this idea, not knowing that his own beloved Esther is Jewish. With fear and trepidation for her own safety and for the safety of the people, Esther heeds Mordecai's pleading to go to the king and convince him to stop Haman's plan. When Esther tells the king the whole story, the king has Haman hanged on the same gallows that Haman had especially built for Mordecai. Y'all, this is in the Bible. <laughs> but did you notice anything missing from the story that I've just told? Is there any really significant biblical character that is significantly MIA from this story? The reason we read so little of Esther is that not once in ten chapters is God mentioned. It's a conundrum for those of us who study the Bible. There's been a lot of argument about why it was included in the canon at all. The answer most likely because it's an historical account of God's people, the Israelites, even if God doesn't warrant a mention. And so because of this glaring omission, we don't really talk much about Esther, which is a shame, because in addition to it being a great story, we actually do have a lot to learn about our own calling in the world as people of God. So if we put Esther together with some of the other significant women in the Bible, her lineage and her connection with God becomes clearer. Do you remember Miriam? Miriam was Moses' sister, and she becomes leader of the women in the Exodus. She follows Moses and Aaron, and she leads alongside them. Her song praises God for hurling Pharaoh's army into the Red Sea and allowing the exiles to continue their journey into the Promised Land. And then there is Hannah, childless, who promises that if the Lord will give her a son, she will dedicate him in service to the temple. 
And when she gives birth to a child, she fulfills her end of the promise. And the child grows to become Samuel, a great prophet and judge of Israel. Hannah sings this song, The Lord makes poor and makes rich, he brings low, he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. Then there's Mary, of course. Mary, shocked and surprised by God's interruption into her own life. She sings a song that many of us know by heart, a song that sounds an awful lot like Hannah's song. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the, po the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. All of these women were participants, drivers even, of large-scale social change, where the powerful were brought down, the humble lifted up, the hungry fed, and the rich sent away. These women were multipliers of a faithful word. They were mothers of movements. And in every case, they were doubted at least once, and they themselves doubted at least once. And in every case, they remained in service to God. For these women mentioned, God's presence was made clear in the text that we read. God's name is written there. But if we listen to the story of Esther... Even with the absence of God's name written in the text, we can hear echoes of the surprising, upending nature of God at work in her words and in the outcome of her passionate action. Our reading for today ends as the days on which the Jews gained relief from their enemies and as the month that they had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday. The Jews found themselves lifted up while the mighty were cast down. Make no mistake, friends, God is at work in this story. Which should come to those of us who live in this world that does not often speak God's name to be good, good news. You may have heard that the U.S. had a very important visitor over the last week. If you haven't heard, welcome out from under the rock. I find Pope Francis fascinating. He has captured the imagination of Christians of many stripes all over the world. I dare say he's the first pope that has any appeal for those of us on the more socially and theologically liberal end of the spectrum. It's been a long time since we've seen a pope engage so effectively with human beings. The news of the last week is filled with images of the papal caravan coming to a screeching halt so that Francis can get out of the car, get himself out of the car, to lay hands on someone who needs it, to lift up a child, to bless a forehead. He's not perfect. He is, after all, still a human working within the confines of a human political structure that predates him by 2,000 years. He will not get everything changed in his few short years in office, not the way we'd all like it to be. But I can't remember ever watching a pope and feeling so inspired 
and excited about the church universal. He doesn't love being the Pope. He loves being a bearer of the gospel, a servant of God. He loves being called. He loves being a Christian. And he acts accordingly. I can say with some confidence that no one in this room will have as much political or religious clout as Pope Francis. But we can still use our lives as witness to the grace that abounds. It is important for God to be an obvious part of our everyday stories. And it is important that we name out loud that we see and feel and witness God's presence all around us. But it is also important, maybe even more so, that we act in such a way that we acknowledge that we are surrounded, surrounded by the self-same God who surrounded Miriam and Mary and Hannah and Esther. We are called to act in a way that ushers in the upturned kingdom. While God is never named in the book of Esther, God is indeed in this story, if in no other place than in Esther's shaking voice as she pleads with the king, let my life be given to me. That is my petition. And the lives of my people, that is my request. There is boldness in that voice, even in the fear I believe that sometimes we are called to raise our voices as Esther did, frightened though we might be, to speak and to act alongside those who are being persecuted or underserved, those who are being oppressed or neglected. We are called by God, as Esther is called, to speak out when we see abuse of power Because if we, we who are compelled by no one less than a God who loves us and created us for this work, if we will not speak out, who will? Amen.